mission of making money. I'm Gordon Whitehead, retired broadcaster, along with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager, looked after people's financial affairs for about four decades, now in retirement, but still passionate about investing, and as am I, and that's why we're doing this show called Making Money. We're going to talk about an area that uh, is not for the faint of heart, Ron. I, I said to you just before we went on here, I remember when I dipped my toes into short selling years ago and uh, and made just a pile of money. Like I thought, holy smokes, this is this is it. I'm on my way. And in the blink of an eye, it was all gone. <laughs> welcome to happen, short right? selling. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to high risk, high reward. But People always talk about the high reward, but they often forget about the high risk. So we're going to try and balance it out today and look at, at uh, the type of opportunities or when you want to apply this strategy and also the risks and also the rewards. So uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. So let's, pl- let's explain in the simplest forms what short selling is. Well, a short selling strategy is one where an investor can profit when a particular stock, ETF, bond experiences significant decline in value. And to accomplish this, an investor borrows the stock from another person or entity like a hedge fund or or portfolio of uh, retirement money uh, that owns it outright. So they borrow this stock. This is something that the investment firm that you're with, they, uh, they do all the back office work for you. They get the stock, they put it in your account. And then the investor sells the stock, pockets the cash, and then buys it back in the future when it's at a lower price. And the stock is returned to its owner, and the short seller pockets the difference between the sale and buyback price. So let, let's use a positive example. Let's, let's show how this. Say you got 1,000 shares of, of a stock at 10 bucks a piece. Okay, so you sell a stock that you borrowed that's at $10, you got 1,000 shares. So you sell it, and we're just in these examples going to leave out commissions. You pocket $10,000. The stock falls to $2, and then you decide, well, I'm going to uh, spend $2,000 and buy it back. So you, you buy back all 1,000 of those shares at 2 bucks. So the stock is returned to its original owner, and the seller, which is you, pockets the 8000 you put 10000 in your pocket when you sold it. You had to pay $2,000 when you bought it uh, You bought it back. And uh, so you get to pocket the difference. The owner of the company, they keep a small fee uh, for doing this. Now, you wonder how profitable this can be. There's a company I think Gord, uh, we most people have heard of. It's called Hindenburg Research. Mm-hmm. And they look for companies that are overpriced or have artificially overinflated the value of their shares. And they put out research to identify these companies. And they published a story about an Indian company called the Adani Group. And they said that um, the company's earnings, a lot of it was smoke and mirrors. There was companies that money disappeared into and and, uh, that really the earnings were more of a hoax than the real thing. And of course, the value of Adani Group shares have dropped by $100 billion in the last 15 days. Whoa. I mean, so investors who followed the advice of Hindenburg Group and shorted this, uh, the Adani stocks, have made a killing. And you probably remember, it was maybe about 25 years ago, uh, there's a individual uh, called Carson Block, and he's got a 
investment company, and that's all they do is put out research on short sellers. It's called Muddy Waters, which is a very appropriate name. And they came out with a, a research report on Sino Forest, which was a Chinese company that was listed in Canada that uh, supposedly grew uh, trees and then sold them. And, of course, his accusation was really that it was all smoke and mirrors. And, of course, very shortly after, the company went bankrupt, and people that shorted Sino Forest, here again, uh, they made off like bandits. So uh, there's some very, very good money to be made shorting if you get it right. So what's a negative example of this, then? (laughs) Okay, well, let's say you've got a stock, and you decide that it's going to go down, and you decide, well, the stock's at $10 a share, and I'm going to borrow 1,000 shares and then sell them. So you pocket your $10,000, but this time, instead of the stock going down, it goes upward. So let's say the stock goes to $30 per share, and you are terrified it's going to 60 so you buy back in. In other words... You buy the stock back to give back to its original owner, but now you've had to pay $30,000 to buy it back. You originally pocketed 10000 so you do the math, and now... You're in the uh, ditch 20000 bucks. You're in the ditch 20000 bucks. So uh, this is just what can go wrong, and obviously there's infinity on the upside. So you can lose a lot more than this, and we've got some examples for you as, as we go through the show. So what, when is it most profitable? Do you want to be, be doing this like in, in a bear market or a bull market? Well, you want to be doing this in a bear market. Remember, the trend is your friend. And if everything's going down, it's going down virtually every day. Well, that's an opportunity. And when you see market fundamentals worsen, in other words, you see interest rates going up, which makes business it, it, costs go up. When you see inflation, which makes business costs go up. Um, when you see wars, when you see things like that, these are market fundamentals. And when they start getting worse, often the market reacts by going down. When technical indicators, uh, you know, you look at a chart and you see it spiraling down the toilet, well, it's a bearish trend. And on an individual stock, when valuations reach levels that really aren't justified, you know, some stocks just take off and there's no underlying fundamentals there. There's just air underneath them. It's just the hype of everybody rushing in to buy because everybody else is rushing in to buy. That can also be a very fertile area um, if you're looking for stocks to short. Obviously, there are risks here. <laughs> yeah, the risks. Oh, is you, oh, yes. You can lose a lot of dough in a big hurry. So let's outline some of those. <laughs> okay. It, it, it's easy to sell a stock, but you always have buy-in risks. And if, if, you, if the stock is hard to buy back or goes up a lot, uh, it can be very, very difficult for you to, to, to buy back in. And sometimes it can, it can be a big loss for you to do so, especially if, if the shares are, are hard to find. Okay, short squeezes. Short squeeze. Just imagine that a lot of people have so shorted a stock. GameStop was a classic example. In early 2021, when retail investors surged into the stock, GameStop shares rose by more than 1,600% in 15 days. And so you had all these people rushing in to buy this thing, and at that time, the stock was literally uh, oversold by 400%. In other words, there was, there was four times more 
shorts on the stock than there was even stock available. And, and so when all this, this all started, Ron, this stock, this stock was on the verge of collapse, was it not? This stock was on the verge of collapse, but some of these uh, websites that appeal to very small investors, they all decided to pile in once because at once. And, of course, when all this furious buying was going on, all these people that were shorting it were watching the stock go up dramatically. And they were all rushing in at the same time to try to buy the stock back to flatten out their position because they'd sold stock that they'd borrowed. And they had to flatten out their positions, so they all rushed in, and that forced the stock even up more. So that was one of the reasons the stock went up 1,600% over such a short period of time, is that when you try to get too many people rushing through a very small opening, you have the stock going a lot higher, and that's called a short squeeze, when everybody's trying to buy at the same time, and the Shaw's stock just uh, takes off like a rocket. Spin-off risk. Now, if you've got a company that you're shorting that spins off into a couple of separate companies, or, I mean, you look at Dow Corporation, it ended up splitting into three different companies. Well, the potential losses can mount because now you're just not having one stock that you've shorted. You've actually got two or maybe even three securities at the same time you're short, which can make it very, very difficult if you're trying to buy them back because sometimes when a company splits, for a couple of days, it's not even trading. So you couldn't buy it back if you want to. So if there's a risk that a company is going to spin off a subsidiary, uh, that's probably something you want to stay away from. Appreciation risk. Well, you don't want it to appreciate, right? <laughs> you summarized this risk, Gord. If a stock goes up, you're going to get killed. And yeah. the potential of stock increases is unlimited. I mean, as a short seller, if you short a stock that goes from 10 to zero, that's your ultimate downside is, is going from 10 to zero. But a stock could go from 10 to 20, from 20 to 30, from 40 to 50, from 50 to 60, and keep on going up. So uh, your downside is, is limited. Your, your, your loss potential is amazing <laughs> on this. And sometimes that's exactly what happens. Trend risk. You, you want to pay attention to what the markets are doing or a sector is doing if you're involved in there? Well, the stock market has historically risen over time. And if you go back over very long periods, it's risen two-thirds of the time, and it goes down one-third of the time. So the ups have been bigger than the downs. The last five years, the market's gone up about uh, 75% of the time and down about 25 to 30% of the time. So, you know, the over the long term, the market is an escalator that has been continuously going up. So it's hard, been hard to short because your possibility or probability that it's going down is not nearly as great as the odds of it going up at any particular time. So the, the odds are particularly against you. I guess you have to keep an eye on, on maybe some kind of a regulatory interruption here. There's a risk there, isn't there? Yeah, because sometimes you'll find regular regulators will uh, ban short sales or they'll stop a stock from trading if they don't understand why they, it, it is doing what it's doing. Or they that, expect... that happened with GameStop, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, you stop trading and then you can't get out because there's no stock. So uh, watch for regulatory risk. If you, if you sense that regulators are, are stopping to take a look at this thing because they're smelling a rat, well, it just might mean that it's difficult for you to get out. Dividend risk, how would that work? 
Well, when you borrow a stock, the owner of that stock still requires the, the interest that uh, if it's a bond, that the bond pays. If the stock pays a dividend, you, you have to pay back the owner the dividend or interest that the owner would have had when you borrow the stock. So generally, high yielders can be expensive to borrow. I mean, if you get if you borrow a stock for a year and it pays an 8% dividend, well, you're going to have to make at least 8% just to break even because you've got to uh, continue to uh, pay that uh, dividend back to the original owner. Margin risk or oh, the old dreaded margin call here. Yeah. Oh, the ever dreaded margin call. If the stock goes up rather than falling, the short seller is in a loss position. The loss exceeds the collateral in your account, then the short seller has to provide more assets in the form of cash or other marginable securities to make up the shortfall. And if they don't have the collateral to cover the shortfall, the securities are immediately bought in by the brokerage firm at whatever is the prevailing price. So if you don't have, if things go the wrong way and you don't have a cash buffer, you can be sold out. And generally you're not sold out at the best time, you're sold out at the worst time. So how about some practical considerations? If you're gonna think about dipping your toes into these waters, you, you have to really know what you're doing. Yeah, you wanna short stocks that have lots of shares trading every day, because what people don't realize is the owner uh, the original owner of the stock has the right to ask for the shares back at any time. Now, this doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. And if the owner, if the broker can't find any stock to replace your shares with uh, the ones that you had to give back to the original owner, uh, you're forced to buy back in so that uh, the broker can deliver the stocks back to the owner, which could lead to a big loss. So you only want to short stocks that have lots of trading every day. So if the worst happens, you can get out easily. And another reason to only short stocks that have lots of uh, shares trading every day is prevent a short squeeze. In other words, if everybody has to buy back and there's not a lot of stock available, that stock's going to go up a lot. So if you're shorting, buy stocks or, uh, or, or short stocks that have lots of volume every day, and that'll uh, keep you from ending up uh, panic trying to get in with everyone else if things don't work out like you thought. Should you only short stocks where the the short interest of the stocks it, it, it is, is low? Well, a good example is uh, GameStop, which uh, had 400% more short positions than it had stock available, which uh, things, things unraveled so fast there that the regulator and even the individual investment firms couldn't keep track of how much stock was getting shorted. They should have had a better system, but they didn't. And when you have that much more stock being shorted than it's actually available, of course it went up 16%. As all these uh, 1,600% as all these people tried to cover their shorts. So, you know, if you've got a, sh you can generally go to research and they'll tell you what the short position is. So, if you've got a short position of three or four or five or even under 10%, that's not too bad. But when the numbers start getting bigger, you want to be very careful because. If there's a lot of people shorting and uh, your total share float is low, you can end up with a short squeeze once again. And I suppose you would want to stay clear of, of stocks that pay high dividends. I mean, it would follow that if you're paying high dividends, people are buying that stock. It's probably going to force the price up, right? Yeah, it'll force the price up. And also the other side of that equation, Gord, is that you owe the owner of uh, that stock all the dividends while you've shorted it because he's not getting the benefit of of it because you've, you've actually showed this, sold his shares to some or her shares to someone else. So generally stay away from 
stocks or, or bonds or any investments that pay high yields because it makes it very even REITs because you've got to pay those back and it'll dent your profits. So you're better off uh, shorting stocks that have low or no dividends. And beware of stocks that have assets that greatly exceed their debt. Yeah, so you've got a company. Here's a, just an example. You've got a company that, uh, frankly, the earnings haven't been very good, and it can't meet its debt obligations. So the financial institutions that hold that debt or the bondholders decide they're going to force it uh, into bankruptcy. Well, sometimes you'll find that out of the blue, another company will go and say, look, these shares are trading at 20 cents on the dollar. The assets, there's, there's just tons of assets there. We can buy this company. We can sell all, off all the assets or enough of them uh, that we could make a big profit. So sometimes you'll have um, an acquirer swoop in and pay a big premium uh, on that low price, and the shares will go up, and you'll end up being stung. So uh, try to short companies where they don't have a lot of assets uh, that can be sold for a higher price. So final advice here, uh, I think the rule number one is if you are a newbie, this is someplace you stay way, way far away from. <laughs> yeah, short selling is high-risk investing. It requires timing. It requires skill. It requires experience. It requires financial resources. And most of all, it requires a lot of homework and really understanding what you're doing. And so if you're a newbie, this is probably an area that you want to avoid and you know, this is the area where, where there are some people out there that make really good man money at it, but the majority get burned and burned very badly doing it. So short selling. I have my yeah. hand up. <laughs> So short selling is something you just want to be really careful of. All right, we're back again next week with another edition of Making Money. A reminder, if you have a show suggestion or a question, you can feel free to send it to us. Let's make money.ca is our website. You can also reach us through cfcw.com. Ron, we, we also like to look at different sectors of the market for investment opportunities or maybe an area that you should try to avoid, and that's what we're going to do next week when we talk about the shipping industry. We've really designed this show to be uh, an educational venue where you can learn about all kinds of strategies and you can learn all about different industries. And so usually every couple of weeks we pick an industry and one of the world's biggest industries is shipping. 80% of the world's goods are transported by sea. So with an industry this big, um, you want to know who the main players are. You want to know what your investment options are. And you want to know what the big trends are that's shaping the profitability of this sector. And we'll try to cover all of those next week. And if you think we're exaggerating, stand by the, well, the CNR mainline someday when one of those container trains is going by. <laughs> That'll tell you how much gets moved by sea, right? <laughs> totally. We're back next week with another edition of Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.